gentlemen, welcome back to the Art Tenders with Mac and Dan. This is Dan, he is Mac. Hi. And we do this <laughs> podcast, uh, we try to do it every week, yeah. uh, in order to observe, learn, and take in different pieces of art. And in this case, we are observing Rowan Atkinson live, also known as Rowan Atkinson, not just a pretty face. It is an hour-long comedy special done by Rowan Atkinson where he is... For a lot of it, uh, it it incorporates both like comedic timing and comedic implementation of jokes written as well as mime. Uh, this was a pick done by Mac right next to me. Uh, I'm just and, gonna th- like throw the responsibility off all into me. Well, uh, like it was mediocre, so it's no, Mac's pick. No, <laughs> no, that's not okay. So that's not how I felt about this. But I wanted to get your insight into this. Um, remind me again as to why you picked this piece for this week. Sure. So, um, it's it it, it is something that I've been uh, uh kind of obsessed with recently. R- Rowan Atkinson has been something that I've been kind of obsessed with recently. Um, specifically because, uh, I am a teacher and so I, um, we're learning a lot about, um, comedy, about writing right now. Right. And I, (laughs) right, exactly. Um, and so, (laughs) kill me now. And so, um, every, every, every chance that I get, I try to find things to show the kids. Like, um, you know, like, let's, let's go watch this person. Let's go watch, um, uh, like these these comedy sketch writing like YouTubers and stuff, um, but it always returns back to Rowan Atkinson, and I've just seen so much of him recently because I keep showing him because he's just so smart, and he is, in my mind, the king of structure. In that every single every single thing that he does is just like it, it, it's it's not just a matter of um, dialogue. It's like you can put it in an outline and it makes perfect sense. Like that's where they start. You can tell that that's where they start every time. What do you what do you mean? Could you could you explain that in a in a different way? Sure. Um so like w- whenever you're writing, um whether that be comedy or just a story in general, you kind of want to not always, but 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 it's nice to have a direction, especially with comedy. It's nice to know you, you don't just want to start writing without a punchline, right? Yeah. Um, like you, 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 for, so for planning's sake, you make an outline, obviously. And for this, it feels like he has made, like that's where they spent most of their time was at the outline, mm-hmm. which was really, really cool. So like there are very clear beats, I think is what I'm trying to say. Right. That, and, and, and that's not something that I see all the time in definitely stand up, but I, I definitely don't see that in like sketch comedy as much. Like SNL kind of feels like it pitters around a lot. And and this is a very, very um, clean and very uh, concise special from 1992. Yeah, so we see in a lot of comedy stand-ups, uh, not just nowadays, but also in the past, that so much of them, you can't see the structure, right? right? We... I mean, we can say confidently that like the those those individuals, those men and those women, and those non-binaries, they they go into these comedy labs. They go, you know, in the bars, in the basements, and they just workshop those pieces and they get that down to such a specific note, right? Um, but it gets to a point that once they do do that uh, TV special, it's as if like the work 
is gone, right? Per se, in, in what I'm saying, that you can't see the work. It looks effortless. Yeah. As opposed to, and this is not a slight on this piece, no. as opposed to this Rowan Atkinson live, that you can see the work that it was in place. Oh, like, it yeah. does not look like something that he is just coming up with in the moment, although it looks very clever. It is something that has been incredibly rehearsed with uh, its timing and its execution. Uh, and I think definitely so the work shows and it does an incredible job overall. However, I do have a really big question for you. So what, um, what grade do you teach? I teach uh, seventh and eighth graders. Okay, this is this is getting somewhere because um, twelve and thirteen year olds. Right. So this piece, I would dare to say, is maybe not the most appropriate. Mac, what do you? Oh, I don't show them the whole thing. Ah, I just show them specific sketches. Well, because okay, so there are some pieces here, uh, and there's some sketches here in in this hour long special where it is uh quite crude quite dirty and i have no qualms with the quite crude and quite dirty and i find myself to really enjoy that comedy and actually some of my favorite pieces like involve what? the quite crude and quite crudy we will get there we will get there okay and but i was just surprised that when you recommended this piece last week and you had said yeah i've been showing this you know to to my students and then i would see a piece where uh, it, it's just dirty jokes the entire time. Yeah. I'm like, you showed this to your students, like, <laughs> and you're you're still working there, no, 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 like, no, no, even no, no, if no, no. they were mature enough to do it. And I'm not doubting yeah. uh, their maturity, sure. But I I was just caught off guard while I was watching it. No, 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 no. Um, the uh, the maybe the most inappropriate one that I show is um. The one where oh it's it's the one where he's um it's the headmaster telling the, the guy, headmaster yes the telling the guy oh you, you want to set it up yeah yeah so so for a lot of these sketches it's not just Rowan Atkinson he is also aided uh in some way for a lot of them by a fellow actor named Angus Deaton and so in this particular scene the headmaster scene uh Rowan Atkinson plays the headmaster uh, and is discussing about one of his students to Angus Deaton's character, who is, like, the father of this said student. And so it kind of devolves into this sort of thing where you find out throughout it that the headmaster actually beat the student to death. Yeah. And it's just, <laughs> it's just so as clever. if it was just Tuesday, yeah. right? <laughs> right, 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 right. But what, what, what makes that piece so fantastic is because the nonchalantness of Rowan Atkins' character, the headmaster, and how it contrasts with Angus Deaton's father yeah uh, as the father so it's and the notes on there is perfectly executed and the the amount of space between yeah. each individual individual joke is so articulate in a way it is so precise that it is a masterpiece in its own way right yeah. like it's not I don't think it's I wouldn't classify this entire uh, live performance as one of my favorite uh, comedies, right? In terms of uh, stand-ups, but it does such an eloquent job. As we were saying earlier, you can see the work. So it's definitely, I think, one of the better ones to study 
because you can clearly see the work, exactly. right? Like this is this is sort of a crawl before you walk, before you run. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Even though the work itself, it's still uh, insanely like astronomical. Oh, big time! And there is um, there is a structure that I started to see, right? Okay. With um, Rowan Atkinson, but also, and, and, and I think it started there for me. And then I also saw it in a bunch of other sketch comedy, not really SNL, because SNL is just all over the place. They got a lot of uh, diversity in, in their writing staff. But in um, in Key and Peele a lot. I saw it a lot in Key and Peele, which is another sketch comedy show. Mm-hmm. And I saw it quite a bit in Fry and Laurie. I didn't see it as much with Monty Python. They're more concept humor where they like bring up a concept and they just kind of like... Mess Take it to the extreme. It. Yeah, and 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 I think it's fun to just kind of mess around in that world for a while. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, and 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 so what what I kept seeing was this. It was, um, really separated into four parts. Yeah. Um, the the setup, which is um, it has to be a relatable world, a very understandable world. Um, which in in this case is the. Uh, the headmaster talking to the to the stu- like student uh, right parent teacher conference is what I'm saying yeah yeah, yeah. so th- there's there's like a ground level where you can essentially let the audience in exactly and then there is a funny concept the next part is funny concept so like um th- th- this is much like uh I mean well well in in this obviously it is that he killed the kid you, yes even though. You still find that out pretty early on in yeah. terms of like the length of the sketch. So where's the humanity, and then where's the absurdity? Exactly. Like what's what? Wh- who's breaking the rules? Right. And then how far can you stretch it? Yes. And then it's there's there's a either a final twist or making that wacky thing normal. Okay. One of those two. Yeah. And so there there's multiple examples of that. So oh, I mean the, the wacky the wacky things and then just making them normal. I yeah, right. every single one of them. Yeah. And I mean look at Key and Peel. That's 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 how it I mean like um like the, their most famous sketch substitute teacher. Yeah. Where it's like okay, so uh you know like uh, substitute teacher from the inner city like totally normal and and he's just going to like call roll real quick. Cool. Good setup, relatable. Um wacky concept. He starts saying their names funny. He starts like saying their super white names. Um, uh, uh, kind of funny, right? And then there is, um, and then there is the stretching it, and and as far as you possibly can, where he like breaks it over his, uh, over his knee, and he sends right. the kid to principal's office, all that stuff. And then there is the making wacky normal, which is at the very end, whenever he says Timothy, and the black guy in the back says present, and he says thank you. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so, yes. um, it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. That that's that's the most simple structure that Rowan Atkinson uses in every one of his sketches, as well as. Uh, Key and Peele use every time, which is really cool. What is your particularly favorite sketch? I I am essentially, I guess, would you consider this as your gold medal? I think it'd have to be. Okay. Because I think that it'd be lazy of us to to ask gold medal and it... It's gonna be Rowan Atkinson. I mean, he's yeah, a little bit tricky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and listen, don't don't get it don't don't get it twisted. That Angus Deaton did a great Angus job. Is a master, <laughs> he's great. Master like, straight man, right? He, like you need sort of in a way like how this was structured. You needed Angus Deaton here, and yeah, I think yeah. part of the joke was yeah, it was Angus Deaton being the straight man, and so how did Rowan Atkinson contrast yeah. with him for so many? Of those pieces. And uh, 
impeccable timing. Like that guy has to know a lot about comedy too to be able to assist. Because so so many of the mime pieces are 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 done with voiceover from Angus Deaton. Right. And so he has to be honestly maybe even just as good as time at, at timing as Rowan Atkinson is in those sketches. At, Angus Deaton is definitely setting up the assist, is setting up the alley-oop for uh, Rowan Atkinson to score if we were to use a sports illusion here. Very sorry about that, by the way. It's okay. I'm you you, you say okay, so to, to just quick contest <laughs> context. A few days ago, the Miami Heat lost the uh, NBA Finals against the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm not. I got over it pretty quickly because there was a bright future ahead. So, and that's, that's all very to be said. true. That's very true. I hope that they're able to sign Jimmy Butler for long term. It's pretty long, well, but but not not the point. Not the point. Not the point. Sorry. Okay. Whatever. So, favorite sketch. Um, gold medal. I'd say yeah, gold medal. Gold medal. I would say, uh. I think elementary dating is, oh, it's just unparalleled. It's, it's so, so good. It, not only, I mean, like, it, it has the structure which, which, So would you like to briefly explain which piece I'd that is? I'd be happy to. So the whole premise is that it, because, and I think the reason that it's so impressive to me and the reason I love it so much is because it plays to all of Rowan Atkinson's strengths. Yeah. Which is, um, the premise is that it is, uh, a guy showing you how, like, how to and how to not date, like what to do and what not to do. Tips on a, first, on a date. first date, yeah, right. And so it is um, given voiceover by a guy standing out on the side, Angus Deaton, and he is like, yeah. So on your, like, like on your first date, you you want to make sure that whenever you show up at the door, you're you're not too excited. And then the and then a door opens, and it's. Rowan Atkinson being <laughs> way too excited. <laughs> it just and it's the perfect image. I too. know. Like nobody else could have provided that image better than, than in Rowan that Atkinson. moment. True. Yes, very true. And so, um, and and then you know he closes the door and then he's like, um, but you want to make sure that like you're not too informal. And then it opens and it's Rowan Atkinson being too informal and, and things like that. And so that, that, that's kind of the premise of the whole sketch. And it takes you through the entire night of dating. It, like, they go to a club and dance very funny. It's, it's, it's really it's, – it's wild. And, like, they go back to the bedroom, all that stuff. Um, I think that it plays to all of his strengths um, because, yeah, just like you said, Ron Atkinson, he is the king of nonchalant. He is, he is so – like, such a master of nonchalant in that I think what makes him a modern mime and what makes him – the most interesting progression of the 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 mime practice is that he had he took that same concept, but he took away all of the overacting. He took away he 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 made it relatable. He made he made mimes relatable, which is so hard to do. But he did it. He did the shit out. Because when you think of a mime, you think of somebody painted with a white face and, right. and, and the black. Uh, spots on the cheeks and wearing the black and white outfit and they're trapped in a box, right? But I think he definitely brings the modern mime into a better light. And I'm not saying like there weren't other modern mimes, but he helped more so popularize the comedic concept nowadays as opposed to just having it be an archaic idea. Yeah. And I think the first date piece was absolutely i think i also agree that it is my gold medal as well we share a gold medal i think this is the first First time time. (laughs) that we are sharing a gold medal the first time um i think like actors act 
um, which is which is a piece where uh, Angus Deaton does a very similar thing where he's reading and then Rowan Atkinson is just acting, yeah. uh, just being absurd with no voice. Uh, and then attendance, which is just very clever, stupid, uh, dirty wordplay oh, the entire so time. Oh, so funny. But uh, the, the cream of the crop, the one to take it all, is definitely first date because it's the implementation of the whole body and the the sort of flip of the coin not flip of the coin but like just flip at any moment right mm-hmm. and so you said earlier that uh when the door opened rowan atkinson was acting this way then the door closed and then immediately the door opened back up and then angus uh excuse me then rowan atkinson is acting a different way and it's consistently like that throughout the entire piece that he is playing both extremes in this insane scenario, right? That, uh, for example, later on, that um, Angus Deaton says not to love the parents too much, and then Rowan Atkinson <laughs> just like gives him a hug and then like, kisses on the cheek, and and, and this you, you don't see the parents, of course, but he just like hugs the air, he's but he's mime. miming, he is miming, and then Angus Deaton says, but also don't be too uh, nonchalant, don't. Don't act as if they're meaningless, right? And so he tries to, like, not even look at the parents, don't even care about them. It's a masterclass in sort of timing and execution of the body, right? It's going beyond just the written form of a joke and the spoken execution of it. And then taking it a step further that it's not just how the joke is written. It's not just how it is uh, spoken. It is also about how it is bodily performed and what the body can do in order to create this hyperactive scenario where it's not just theater of the mind, but it is essentially theater that you can see. Yeah, I I can't think of a more recent example of full body comedy. That is that is such a lost thing nowadays because it's so easy to keep comedy in your face. Um, but he really and and this is this is the crazy part. And just have comedy just be the jokes, right? And right. just saying the jokes. Right, 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 right. And and they're they're I, this is not a discredit to those comedians. I mean, like my f- favorite comedian is Dave Chappelle, and a lot of the stuff that he's doing uh, nowadays is I wouldn't say run of the mill stand up because they're incredible, right. but they are when you think of comedy stand ups. This it, what he's doing is very similar to that for the most part right he's definitely uh done well to keep in the times but as you were saying um yeah and and so i i think that that is something that is uh very lost um but that i wish that we would return to is is the idea of full body comedy And, and it's wild to me because rowan atkinson can very easily if he wants to be lazy he can so easily be the um like he he can do just like like above the neck comedy, mm-hmm. but he doesn't at all. And and I think the reason that I like elementary dating so much is because that's the only that's the only one that's the only uh, sketch that he has where he, um, where he actually like works himself up a little bit, where he like breaks a sweat, where he like his his shirt comes untucked, and he's like actually kind of messy because he's working so hard which is exciting to see an actor work that hard because that's so not what happens nowadays you know what i mean after this break more funny 
All right, welcome back. And there are some things that we got to get to, right? So first things first, before I discuss one specific sketch that we have in this piece, I want to uh, have a correction made that I did, <laughs> that I, oh I made a mistake. God. I made a mistake uh, for the last episode regarding the Bob emergency. I, I'm going to point out something, okay? So during when we were discussing <laughs> Bob Sura. And uh, how Bob Sora almost had three triple doubles in a row. If if you want what that means, uh, go check out the Bob Emergency episode. Nice plug. And, nice plug. And I made a mistake because that would have, at that time, put him among the likes of Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, and then uh, a player that goes by the last name Hill. For last episode, I said George Hill. I meant Grant Hill. Completely different players in both how they were utilized and probably how history is going to look at them uh, statistically down the line. But However, George Hill still has time, okay? Uh, listen, and and I, I also want to say that when I brought this up to Mac earlier uh, via text, he criticize me which is fair i also wanted to point out that mac the basketball snob did not correct me. i did not that's true i'm very sorry about that. but also this is what makes this podcast special to me i think this is the fact that we are taking time out of rowan atkinson to to discuss this very important thing well, sorry i th- no it's fine i think rowan would understand I think Rowan would agree. I think that he, he yeah. would actually ask for us to spend the rest of the podcast talking about that, but we're not going to. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, I think we talked about John Boys enough, uh, although he would also love that. I, but nevertheless. Rowan Atkinson would love John Boys. I think so, too. Yeah. I hope. We'll see. Who knows? Will we? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I – so for a dramatic shift now, I want to talk about uh, – and this is going to maybe um, – you know, grow some hair on... No, no, that's not what I meant. Grow some hair on your chest? That's not what I meant. I meant, like, bur- burn some hair off. I, that's completely different uh, idioms. I want to talk about the Indian restaurant sketch. Yeah. So, there is a piece in this where Rowan Atkinson is a server that I don't know much about the accent, but... From what I can ascertain, it is an Indian accent. So he is in, uh, he is a server at an Indian restaurant. And we don't see them, but he acts as if they're there. That a bunch of drunk customers come in and it's like a family or like a group of friends and it's like nine of them. And they absolutely cause a ruckus. And Rowan Atkinson, as the Indian server, is reacting to all of this. Now, a couple of years ago, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Shama, who is Sri Lankan. And if you don't know where Sri Lanka is, it's just an island. Uh, it is a country uh, off the south of India. And she was discussing... You know, she wasn't sure what to ag- exactly make of it, right? Because so that sketch wasn't necessarily insulting, but it hadn't necessarily aged well. Yeah. And so, like, the question is now, like, did Rowan Atkinson need to be an Indian server for that piece to be executed, right? So I wanted to 
get your quick take and sort of have it interwoven into the greater narrative of so what's the sort of responsibility that we carry now and how did that specific sketch age and so yeah 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 like and is it still a good sketch quote unquote at the end of the day even though now and probably back then too uh i think plenty of people probably could have found it offensive yeah um so well, th this is, I, I guess, my first thought, a thought that I just had as you were talking, is the fact that this, the, the scene, the sketch could be done and probably executed in a very similar way if he wasn't playing um, an Indian waiter. Right. Um, that the joke was to land if he was just a regular waiter. Because I think, because really fast, I, I want to make this stance clear, is that the piece is not... I don't think making fun of Indians, I'll say right? It's the opposite. It's it's that this oh no, this poor Indian guy is in this scenario, right? But yeah. th but the question is, okay, why does he have to be an Indian server when right. at least as far as we know, uh, now we have to do our research, uh that Rowan Atkinson is not of that descent. But you were saying, I apologize for cutting no, you no, off. No, no, um and uh it, it honestly feels like it's making fun of more the, the ignorant white British people that are going into these restaurants and being idiots um, from the perspective of, of the uh, Indian waiter. Um, but I'm wondering if the fact that the, uh, that the sketch would be just the same without him being the Indian waiter, I'm wondering if that is better or worse. You know what I mean? Like, what do you mean? What do you in, mean? in terms of um, like, would it have made the sketch better or worse? Is that what no, you mean? No, no. Or? I mean like, uh, if it's less, if it's potentially uh, less offensive and less racist because it has nothing to do with the Indian waiter being Indian, or if it's worse because it's like, why did you have to go out of your way to to do an impression or or to or to put on an or I guess it wasn't an impression. I think that's what it comes down to. Is that was it an impression of someone? Because that that could be potentially right. Like, or was it an accent? Because I think if it was an impression, we would be laughing at the waiter themselves. Yeah. As but we were more so laughing at oh no that poor waiter's misery. Right. We're la right. we were laughing at the misery and of the, the waiter moment. happened to have a Indian accent. Yeah. So I don't. For me, like and I don't find the sketch itself in concept in theory to be bad. No. Right. But I think the question is to be asked. Yeah, so did he need to be an Indian waiter? And I don't think no. I think only uh, a few jokes hinged on the fact that he was an Indian waiter in terms of the sort of wordplay and the sort of responses that the quote-unquote guests or slash customers uh, provided. And you sort of um, the crude, sort of rude responses that the the guest slash customers would provide and it's it was some of it was based off of the menu items in this uh facetious restaurant yeah but i i don't think it was necessarily bad and it wasn't necessarily uh, i wouldn't say it was right but i wouldn't say it was done wrongly i think sure. it wasn't i wouldn't say yeah i wouldn't say it was right to do i think definitely looking at it with today's lenses in 2020 it's like why do you need um, to do that right but i don't i i mean i i don't i cannot relate to this yeah but i if i just wouldn't 
I wouldn't, first of all, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it now. I'm, I'm, I'm fumbling over words. Save me, save me. It's okay, I'm coming, I'm coming. So, um, it is strange that, that, that he needs it in the first place. But, um, yeah, it, uh, I think, I I think, I think it definitely, no, now I'm blanking. Fuck my life. Um, it wasn't a poorly done piece is the point. Right. And the concept was not ill-intentioned, but I think it also serves serves as a sort of reminder of the times and also serves as a reminder, hey, maybe as comedy artists we can do better. Sure. I I also think that— Because the jokes are there and the jokes are funny and they're not at the expense of the Indian server. That's what I'm about to say, is that I think that the big, big, big difference maker is that there's not really a joke that's made at the expense of the Indian waiter and, and thus not really— there's not really any Indian jokes per se. Right. Um, the only thing that might put a bad taste in my mouth is the fact that um, maybe if he did it in like Ireland or Scotland, it might be different. But the fact that it was done uh, by a British guy, although this recording was in Boston, um, the the fact that it was uh, done by a British guy might be a little cringeworthy because of the history between the british and the indian right yeah that's well put well put yeah that that's the only thing that i can think of that's a little bit like ooh, if i was indian i'm not really sure to be happy about that yeah um because that i mean not not the same at all but a similar idea as a Actually, no, it's not the same at all. I was about to say as a white guy playing playing a black guy, but that's that has a different history and yeah, it's much worse. Fa- yeah, blackface uh, and all that stuff. Very, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's it's a different history. It much different history, but but <laughs> b- both cringeworthy. Uh, yeah, both not good, and yeah. we can say that with utmost confidence. Um, but you were saying during our break that you had some things that you wanted to get to. And so, what what would you yeah. like to bring up? So, uh, one of the things that my uh, I was talking to my dad about it, right? And he, at one point, said something that uh, kind of got me thinking. He said something along the lines of, "Do you think he would be as funny if he wasn't so ugly?" Which is no, a, that's at, a good question. At first, I was like, "What? Fuck you!" And then I was like, "That's a really actually good question." And then it's funny enough because literally because now, the name of the show. Yes, now the stand-up special is is titled Rowan Atkinson, not just a pretty face. That's the title of the show. And so, if you've never seen Rowan Atkinson's face, you're like, "Oh, he must have a pretty face." No, that's the joke. He, um, I think, objectively, doesn't. <laughs> yeah, he he has a an iconically ugly face, and it's not like, but that aids so much of the pieces, yeah. right? Where like his eyes would bulge, like at one point during the mass sketch where there is no dialogue whatsoever, that he is just sitting next to someone else and he is just trying to stay focused at the mass but keeps failing every single second. And there's at one point he falls asleep, gets back up, and he's holding, physically holding (laughs) his eyes open as if it's the scene from Clockwork Orange, but instead it's just his own hands. And he's just holding his eyes open and he looks absolutely stupid. And it's awesome! Yeah, it's so funny, and and I mean, like he 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 has the bulgy eyes, like you were saying. He has a how he a, contorts. An, yeah, he has an iconically enormous nose. It's not just mime of the entire body; like it is mime of the face. Yeah, as well. 
But the crazy, and, and I think the reason that it's so amazing is that everything that makes him conventionally ugly, his in enormous nose, his very, um, like, thin lips and g ginormous jaw and mouth, his bulgy eyes, his his enormous, like, It like, sounds like we're really ears. insulting him right no, now. No, no, no. Every single thing about his face, he uses. He uses, like, I can think of images of times in which he used whenever he was, um, uh, uh, uh. Whenever he was uh, smelling, oh, when was he smelling? Oh, it was in the um, that same sketch, the church sketch, where he's falling asleep, and he. But but at the beginning of the sketch, he's he's sneezing, and he's right. about to sneeze, and you can see him with his with his nose, and it's all mime of the nose, like you like what you're saying, yeah. where he's like shaking it and like contorting it in such a way that that's where the comedy is, is that he's about to sneeze, and you can see it because he's messing with his nose. He's using like his quote unquote ugly face. <laughs> And but instead having it become his greatest ally. Yeah, truly, and um, that's fascinating to me. I also wanted to um talk a little talk a little bit about the uh, origins of him. This is something that I don't talk about in class at all, but this is just something like random tidbits I know. Right. Um, so there was a comedy troupe, an improv comedy troupe in uh, uh at Oxford. Um, that was made up of Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie, and Emma Thompson. What a group. They were all in college. Wow. And they didn't know they were about to be famous. But they were all in an improv comedy group together. And they apparently were like award-winning, fantastic, all this Talk shit, about right? right place at the right time. Oh, I know. But then again, Oxford's always the right place, right time. That's true. Everyone fucking comes from Oxford. Anyway, um, so they traveled around the country here and there to go, to, uh, to, to, to go and speak these places and um, do these competitions and whatnot. And um, because they had just won and they were like the, the face of, 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 of British comedy at that time, um, like the up and comers or whatever. And so they go to this college, this random college, and um, their opener is this kind of ugly guy. And he goes on stage and, um, and he starts doing mime, but like no sound or anything. He just um, – kind of looks at this uh this pencil and he starts doing mime with this 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 mime pencil right what? and okay the the way in which he does it it's so successful and so well done that the um that Emma Thompson Steve Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie refuse to go on after him because he makes the crowd laugh so hard because how how can you follow he that? He brings up? the house down so hard, and everyone's laughing so hard. They're like, "There's no way we're stepping foot on that stage." And so they just didn't perform because Mr. Bean, Ron Atkinson, and like like a twenty year old Ron Atkinson who had not done stand up, had not done any sort of performance whatsoever, like just an open mic one night or whatever, where he's opening for Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie, and Emma Thompson. I mean, they were just they were kids at the time. Kids, but is so good that they. We're like, I'm not touching that stage. He's that too is funny. incredible. I He's believe. Too I, funny. I believe that. I, believe I know. That. Yeah, me too. And it's, it's it's crazy. And and like we were talking about, it. He's not. He does not make it look natural. That's not the point. I I want to ask you a question that is intertwined with my sizzle serve. Ooh, yeah. My sizzle serve is um, I kind of kind of sort of letting this marinate in my own mind, but I was thinking kind of sort of. <laughs> relatively so that i think maybe 
this piece wouldn't be as funny without an audience, right? That I feel like I was laughing so much because the audience itself was contagious, right? And of course, every uh, comedy surgeon is going to need their audience um, and, and because they, 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 they feed off of it. They thrive off of them. But I was just... I wasn't sure. I was just curious at the idea of like, what if there wasn't an audience here? And maybe that sizzle serve can probably be said for a lot of comedians because of how much they just thrive off an audience and quote unquote depend on an audience. But I was just, I think, curious at the notion and maybe, um, of course, I'm just like gas bagging here uh, no, no, with no. The, with this sort of idea and this opinion and this thought that, of course, I know absolutely nothing when it comes to stand-up. I've never tried stand-up. I've only watched stand-ups here and there. I enjoy stand-ups, but I would not say I'm an aficionado. I'm, I would not say I'm an expert. I would not say I am proficient in any sort of stand-up craft. But I was just curious at this idea that maybe I'm laughing so much partially because the audience is laughing too. And so I guess um, to boil it all down, my question is how uh, dependent did you feel the audience was in this piece? I can be entirely wrong and I'm happy to admit that uh, that possibility that I am just stupid. I'm just stupid with this uh, sizzle serve. But how dependent did you find the audience here in this piece? And then I guess furthermore, sure. for other pieces in comedy. Sure. Um, I wonder, and I think this is another thing that I find so interesting that 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 that, that separates Rowan Atkinson from a lot of other stand-up comedy um, and sketch comedy because uh, of of the whole mime thing. Um, is that in mime traditionally there is the, the most important or the second most important part of the whole thing is the audience and i wonder if it's that you're laughing because they're laughing and because you're hearing that sound and mm-hmm. feeling that feeling or i wonder if it's because that's the other character Mm. You know what I mean? Could, could, could like, you uh, in, press on that? In mime, traditionally, there, every mime is it's a solo piece, but right. they are working with the audience. They're making eye contact with the audience, and as they're finding things out, and as they're they're discovering things about the world they're living in that that they're exploring because they're mimes and they're like kind of like and they have to figure it out with you. There's constant eye contact and constant contact. Um, uh, an exchange with the audience. So, for instance, whenever he's... I mean, in, in all of them, but um, just one that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, the Invisible Drum Set. Yeah. Which is genius. Um, and that's just, like, classic, clean mime. He is... Um, he, he he comes in, and he's he's a janitor um, in, in, in the sketch, and he kind of finds... He actually hits some uh, drumsticks. Yeah. And so he feels around the ground. He he picks them up, and then he um, starts walking around a little more, and then trips over uh, like like some drums. And so he sets them back up, and he finds a chair. He sits down on the chair, and then he realizes he realizes that there's an invisible drum set with invisible drumsticks. Every time that he's finding something out about the world, finds the drumsticks, finds the drums, finds each individual drum, finds out like there's a lot more to this drum set than just the drums. There's also like this like this enormous like percussive section almost 
every time that he finds something out, he has to show the audience, interact with the audience, and find out with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, as like he doesn't necessarily make contact with the audience, but it's definitely like the audience is a character, right? And he is telling this story very clearly to the audience, right? The, the, the stories that he tells physically through his body, in the case of this, the invisible drum set, that he would just, I guess, like much more quickly go along through it, right? And finding each individual pieces, but he takes his time yeah. with each piece because each sort of bodily movement, essentially, is its own joke. Yeah. Um, I, I think, and so it kind of, it gives him the timing, yeah. right? I'm sure at this point, as well as I think probably at the point of uh, this stand-up as well. Like, Rowan Atkinson can probably figure out his own beats. His yeah. own, like, okay, the audience probably gonna laugh here, right? So he's figured <laughs> yeah. that out. But I think um, I think as a viewer as well, it's definitely like the audience informs you of like, oh, well, yeah, this is actually really funny. Um, and, and you do feel like, you know, you're there in, in terms of sometimes how the stand-up comedian is implementing you. Uh, you see it a lot when uh, comedy acts just directly involve people in the audience. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, and it feels like you're, you're a part of it. Um, I, I don't wonder I if that could translate. I wonder if that can translate to film in some way. If someone wants to do a mime piece and they just, instead of using the audience like he does, but take the same idea and just look directly at the camera in order to interact with him, I wonder if that would, what that would look like and if that would be successful. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but just uh, with the body. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Because in my mind, it's not as much that I'm um, uh, uh, laughing at, laughing because I hear laughter. Right. It's it's It feels a lot more complicated than the, than the Big Bang Theory. It feels like... Um, yeah, because it, it does feel like sitcoms are sort of set up like that. That like, right, but this is this, funny because we're laughing, you know? Yeah, and this wasn't that, I don't think. It, but this but, is funny because it's funny. Right. And so this kind of, honestly, it, it, it kind of makes me think of like our... This is going to be so pretentious. Get ready for this. Okay. Our, um, our Blanche's monologues any good if Stanley's Blanche not there. from uh, Streetcar. Yeah. Streetcar if Named Desire. Stanley's Give the full name next time, uh, boy. Streetcar Named Desire by Tennessee Williams. There we go. Um, if Stanley's not there because <laughs> that's that's the other character in the scene. Yeah. And in mime, the way that Rowan Atkinson does it, the, 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 the audience is the other character. I think, I guess, in a sort of... Uh, not necessarily going in circles, but we went through a forest and we came out at the end. We came out through this maze. Essentially, I think inherently, and it's not a discredit that sometimes in comedy pieces and probably in this one too, that it wouldn't be as funny without the audience because the audience is another character yeah. in this whole thing. And the audience is what helps with these pieces. That even though the pieces themselves can survive without an audience, an audience is so nice. It's yeah. so nice. And I mean, and we feel that as performers too. Like we can rehearse for hours and hours and hours on end, but it's nice to get that sort of tangible, real response from people who haven't seen a show 20,000 times. Yeah. It's nice to get these sort of eyes on you right like we thrive as performers to have those eyes on us uh either in in, in whatever sort of fashion 
that they are because we depend on that and we perform for others. It's not just performing for ourselves and it's sort of, um, <laughs> it is a kind of pretentious in nature that we're showing off essentially. Yeah. Um, but that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Any, uh, final thoughts on this bad boy? No, I don't think so. Um, it's, it's really, really spectacular. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I picked it for a reason and I'm excited to get to the, to the thing that I was going to pick, but I, I felt like we had to talk about this because it is right up our alley and, um, and, and uses all the things that I know that we know the hell out of. The implementation of both the uh, sort of writing, like the uh, the jokes on the page, right? And the jokes through the body, j- jokes spoken and jokes acted through. Uh, the blend between the two is very well done throughout it. We see Rowan Atkinson not only be an incredible comedian, uh, through his mime work, but also like he can just be a comedian. He could just be a classical yeah. comedian and uh, through his sketch work and it really works out. And I really fast, I had just realized this name uh, in the, the writers section, Richard Curtis. It's also credited as uh, as a writer of this. He is uh, known for movies such as, uh, believe it or not, Love Actually and About Time. And uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Like, those movies. Those rom-coms. Yeah. They're good, though. Yeah. They're some of my favorite rom-coms. Yeah, they're fantastic. Wow. Um, but Love Actually and About Time. Fantastic yeah. movies. But without further ado, so, to explain what we're going to view next week, we were metaphorically <laughs> put, you know, a gun to our heads. Yeah. We did not put that gun there. Uh, my roommate actually put that gun there, metaphorically speaking. And we are going to review, uh, I believe, his favorite movie of his for its 15-year anniversary of Brother Bear. And now we we know that he'll probably not hear this uh, bit, but just very, very quick thoughts, one sentence or two on Brother Bear. Oh, on the actual movie. Oh, I thought you were going to say on Sam. And I was like, uh, nice. Um, Brother Bear. Um, Nostalgia. Definitely nostalgia. Yeah. Big childhood movie. Yes. Um, not the not the best Disney movie. It's pretty good, and that's just about it. Yeah. So watch us say that, and him get mad. It's like it. Okay, really fast. It's good, and that's not a bad thing. But it's just good. Yeah. Yeah. And there are reasons for that. We'll get into it. Yeah. So, anyways, thank you for listening. Thank you, Mac, for joining as usual. Of course. I, why wouldn't I join? <laughs> I don't know. I, we, I mean, we do do this Thank together. Thank you for joining. Oh, buddy. Okay. <laughs> uh, there are plenty of things that we didn't get to uh, in this piece, but if you're listening to this and you haven't given it a watch, uh, you can uh, find ways to find it, and it is very funny. So go ahead and do that. Thank you guys very much.